Welcome to Build. This is Maggie. Today, I have Linda Zhang on the show. Linda is a superstar product manager turned founder who famously turned down a huge offer from Instagram. And when I read the article she wrote about the negotiation process, I knew I had to track her down and have her on the show. In this episode, we get into her negotiation strategy, her top advice for getting the best possible offer, and why it is so important to talk about topics like pay. I hope you enjoy it. Linda, welcome to the show. Thanks, Maggie. Excited to be here. Yes. I'm very excited today to get into a topic that I think is so critical for our careers, but is something that at least in my experience, people typically don't talk about very openly, and that's negotiating job offers. And this is, of course, relevant for anyone, regardless of whether they're in product. But you wrote this amazing article about your interview and negotiation process for a product called Instagram, and I knew I had to talk to you about it. So... Where I would love to start is, can you just give a really quick overview of that opportunity and why you decided to write about it? Yeah, sure thing. So you're talking about the story that I wrote where I got an offer as a PM at Instagram. I ended up negotiating it from $300,000 a total compensation to $375,000, but ultimately decided to walk away <laughs> at yeah. the very end. And that's a story that I shared in my weekly, weekly newsletter and pretty much instantly it you know, blew up on Twitter, Facebook, funny enough, and a few other channels. And I think, you know, when I look back on it, I really do appreciate the fact that I shared it because I think that it opened up a lot of, you know, great conversations, like I think the one that we're about to have around how you approach these high stakes negotiations. I think, you know, at the end of the day, like we, a company gets to negotiate thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of times in the course of their lifetime. But for, you know, a given individual like you and me, we only have so many shots Mm -hmm. on goal, right? And so I think that most of us just have so little experience. And I think that the process is so racked with fear that a lot of us end up making suboptimal decisions, whether it's not negotiating enough and feeling later on feeling regret or taking, you know, the wrong job offer and feeling stuck in a role for a few years of our lives. And so I'm really glad I shared, shared the process. And I think that it's, hopefully it's helped a number of people think more clearly about how they approach a negotiation and also how they think about their, their decision-making process as to whether the, a job is is the right opportunity for, for them at that, that point of life. Yeah. And I, one of the things I, I liked about it, or at least I thought about when I was reading reading that and reflecting on my own experience, is that there's so much emotion wrapped up in the topic and there's a lot of like shame and fear and doubt and like weirdness about talking about money and you know how much you should make or how much you could make and actually my very first job out of college was working for a company that did executive compensation consulting so like I remember back in the day I learned a lot about sort of how to think about comp but a lot of people don't get that experience and then they you know to your point they get into these situations and they don't know what to do and they panic you know especially maybe if you're from an underrepresented community and you're not, you know, you don't have the backdoor networks where you're learning about this thing. Yeah, totally. And it was definitely like, I was that person who panicked much earlier (laughs) on in my career. So this is definitely not my first rodeo. I think this is the very first negotiation where I actually felt like I had some, I was negotiating from position of strength. And what I mean by that is, you know, previously I was just so desperate (laughs) for, for that job that I was willing to do, you know, whatever it took to get it. And so negotiation was kind of on the table, but not really 
for me. And, and so early on in my career, it was very much about like, how do I acquire the skills and experiences that I need to ultimately, you know, be able to do more of what I want to do. And I think for the first time, this was the moment where I was like, oh, I have a great job already that, you know, I enjoy. I'm compensated pretty well at a private company. And so I didn't need this job in the same way that I needed the previous jobs. And I think that was the final push that, you know, enabled me to experiment with with methods that I normally would never um, have had the courage to take. But having, you know, been through it now, I can say that there's actually surprisingly, you know, people don't hate you for negotiating at all. In fact, I think that during the process, I came off as more mature, more senior, someone who should be valued even more because they clearly know how to position themselves and how to make make their case. And I think, you know, whether you're in product or whether you're in just really any career at all, like being able to do that with integrity, but also respecting yourself and, and the value that you bring actually puts you in a far better position than just, you know, cowering or like taking the first offer that someone gives you. Right. I do want to get more into the reflections that you had after, but if you I also want to talk a little bit about like what was the negotiation because I think it's really interesting how how you structured it at least at least from what I read in the article. So like what was your approach to this process and and how did you think about, you know, the negotiation and kind of like where in the interview process did the negotiation start? Yeah, totally. So I think the first thing that I realized as I was in it was the negotiation starts the moment you start talking to a recruiter. So long before you know, you can get an offer in hand, you are sending signals (laughs) as to where you are in your search process, how much you want that particular job, how much you need a job in particular, and they're collecting, you know, information on you from from the get go. And so I knew that like kind of going in, having heard some of the questions that they were asking. And so I wanted to make sure that I balanced two different things, one of which was, you know, I'm excited about the role and I, you know, I'm amazed by the people that I met. But at the same time, I'm not, you know, I'm not in a position where I really need to make a switch, but I'm very open to learning about new opportunities. And I think if that's true for, you know, anybody who's listening, I think that's actually a good position to be in because you can be clear minded about the process. And so for me, I didn't need it, but it was, an, it was nice to have, like, I'd love to learn more about the opportunity. And then the other thing is, I think throughout the interview process, I was trying to gauge how I was performing. So after every set of interviews, I would ask for feedback. I would really try to understand what where the other party was coming from. And towards the end, I I could tell that they were extremely interested. I think I did really well during the interviews. And then there was one other thing that was pretty unexpected that made them even more interested in me. I think during our negotiation process, they found an article that I wrote a while ago in the newsletter about TikTok and why the product was was designed to be so addicting for consumers. And that article, it seemed to me, you know, really made them like way more excited about me because they felt like I understood the space um, in a way that most other candidates didn't. And this is specifically the Instagram Reels team. So it was very, very uh, applicable to their strategy and how they were thinking about, you know, who to bring in for this role. Um, So knowing that I was pretty well positioned to be basically their top candidate. And they told me that at the very end of like, this is, you know, we, we paused negotiation with everybody else. We want to make sure that we can close this. So I knew that I, I was in a good state. And then the other thing I did during the process, uh, especially once I got the offer was benchmarking. So once I figured out how they leveled me, 
just a combination of like years of experience and what they specifically need for that role, I could figure out like if the offer they gave me was any good. And so we started at 300K for an L5, which according to you know various websites on the internet, you can tell it's actually on the lower end of the total band. And for a big company like Facebook, and you know some companies operate differently, but I think a lot of big companies do it this way, there's a compensation band, which is a range for every level. And that means that that's kind of like your, that's all free for you to roam around. Um, and depending on your interview performance, depending on their specific needs, you can actually go beyond the band. So that was the other thing I learned during the process of uh, figuring out like, what are the what are the true frontiers of what's possible? There's like the stated facts of here's our official line around like what we offer people. But then if you ask for, you know, have you ever made exceptions? Here are the specific circumstances that I have. You know, in my situation, I had a few million dollars in unvested equity at the private company that I'd be leaving behind. And factoring all those things in can really help you at least it helped me certainly in the negotiation, moving from you know 300k to ultimately 375k. But I think the challenge that you know I ran into, but I think a lot of people run into, is you do need to play. You almost need to play both bad cop and good cop, maybe in different instances. You want to continue to be excited and engaged during the process and really affirm your interest in the company and, and why you're interested. But you also don't want to cave too quickly. And so I think usually, you know, with these rounds, like they can drag on for a few different back and forths. And sometimes it, you know, unfortunately, like you have to, you have to really stand your ground and know what it is that you're going after. In my situation, I actually set a number in my mind of, I like this team, I think I could learn a lot. But I also like my current situation. So what is a number that would change my mind? And is there a number that would change my mind? And I settled on, you know, 400k as this is the number like I would sign with them immediately if this this is actually the case. And there wasn't a real science to it. I you know, I didn't really have like an Excel model or any of that stuff, but this was the number that made me feel comfortable. And I think it's okay to like to not have a perfect science, but to know what it is that would make you feel good about taking the next step and and being in a whole new environment with a new set of challenges. So once I had that kind of locked in in my mind, towards the end game, I was like, I was very transparent with them actually of we're, we're 350 right now, but if we bring it up to 400K, which I think is a reasonable offer given the value that I'm bringing, um, given the, the stock options I'd be leaving behind, then I would sign immediately. And we got very close. I mean, I can get into more details, but um, the hiring manager was really excited about it. And I think we were about to actually close the deal. But the compensation team stepped in and said, hey, actually, because the company is valued privately, your stock options are not going to be given the same the same weight. And so 375 was as far uh, as far as they were willing to go. And I think when I look back on it, like 375, reasonable offer. It's not, for me at the end of the day, it wasn't really about the number at the very end. It was actually about whether I felt comfortable about taking that next step, having seen the decision-making process. I think that negotiation can actually give you a window into how a company operates. And, you know, people have decision-making frameworks, they have different rules that they follow. And even though, you know, when you work there, it might look a little different. I don't think that things are completely different, right? So in that process, I was like, oh, I feel like this may not be a place where I would actually feel fulfilled because there's so many rules in yeah. place. 
And that was a good learning for me. And I think it was well worth it. I love that there's so many different different pieces of this. But what's interesting to me is that like what you're saying is that, yes, of course, on the surface, the negotiation is about literally how much, you know, are you going to make in this new job? But it's it's so much more than that, because to your point, it's about, you know, what do I value? What do they value? What am I looking for? How do we have this interaction? What does it tell me about the company? What does the company learn about me during the interaction? And I think it's so helpful to understand, you know, the perception and ha- and how the negotiation can change. And you said this at the beginning that how it positioned you differently in the minds of the people that you were talking about because you knew you did all the research to understand the value that you were going to bring to the company and you were strong in that position. Um, and I think. I've definitely been in situations where I go into a negotiation and I'm like, I don't know, maybe just like a little bit more money. And, you know, the company's like, okay. And then, you know, you leave that and you're like, oh, (laughs) man, like I could have, I really could have done that better. Yeah, I felt that way so many times in the past. And I think that, you know, having having more reps doing it is is useful. And, And I think that's also why, you know, a lot of people recommend, I think it's a good thing of like, even if you're not looking for a job, you know, it's always good to keep your eyes field for for new opportunities. I think the best time to find a new job is probably when you don't actually need a job and you can think for yourself and make a real considered decision that's not purely about the money, but also about, you know, what is the world that you're stepping into? And do you feel like that is going to either help you get to where you want to go, whether it's financially, professionally, emotionally, um, whatever it is that's really important to you. Uh, But I think a lot of times people, you know, can make can make last minute trade-offs because they weren't ready or there's there's a certain situation that put them in that position. And then they're, you know, some people feel stuck for years on end and life is short. So it's like, these are pivotal moments that actually define how you're going to feel every single day for the next maybe few years, maybe even more, maybe a decade. Right. And so I think that taking the time to really think through it, just like people say, Hey, if you're going to start a company, you just going to spend maybe, 10% of the time, you're going to be working on the company, searching for the company instead of jumping right in. I think it's the same is true when you're joining a company too, where you have even less control over what your day-to-day looks like. And so that means it's even more important to get to know who you're working for and what they value and what you value. Yeah. And it's interesting because one of the, the things that you talk about in the article, and I think you've talked a little about here, is the the way that how this negotiation goes also has an impact on the relationship with the people you're about to work with. So you, there's two things in the article I thought were interesting. One is that the point that the money comes from the company's budget, not your manager's, and how it's best to negotiate through a recruiter and maybe not through your new manager. But then also this thing that you're talking about, that however the negotiation goes, you're still theoretically, you might join the company. And so you have mm-hmm. to live with how you have acted in that thing, that yeah. conversation. So can you tell me a little bit about like, in this situation, how you walked that line and and you talked about, you know, holding strong on your point of view? Like, how did you do that in a way that wasn't going to sour that relationship? Yeah. I mean, as you said, like at the end of every negotiation is a relationship <laughs> at the end of the day. And it's important to not lose sight of that when you're when you're in the midst of standing up for for what you believe. I think that everyone has a different approach to this and, you know, people should do whatever they feel is, is, is more authentic to them, like more real to them. And for me, I'm, you know, I'm very much a no BS. Like I will just share with you what I think. And I think I was very open with them from the very beginning of here are the things that really impressed me about the team. Here's what I was thinking before, which was 
this was just like an adventure. I'm not actually planning on on leaving the company. But now I feel differently. And now I'm very excited to be on board for XYZ reasons. And I only have two requests. And I made my two requests, one of them, one of which was around compensation. I gave reasons as to why that was the right number. I had, you know, other benchmarks. I had, I talked through, I really did give details into how much was vested versus unvested at the existing company, um, which is not something that I recommend doing in the beginning, because in the beginning, it can really anchor the offer usually in a downwards direction. And you want them to give you an offer that's very much rooted in how much value they think you're going to bring based on what they've seen. So I don't recommend doing that immediately. But towards the end, I mean, I was I like really just I was an open book and shared the whole thing. And I think that because I did that, it became very straightforward as to what I stood for. I I didn't waver and like commit to one thing and then back backpedal and say, oh, just kidding. I'm not actually going to do that. Right. So I think that it was just very I think it was very understandable from from their end. And I also learned that not everything is in, you know, is in the hiring manager's control or the recruiter's control. I mean, with the, some of these big companies, they they do have a team like the compensation team that negotiates on their behalf. And so not everything, you know, I think if it were, were up to them, you know, everything would have been locked down and I would have actually, I would probably now still now be working on Instagram, but I'm not because <laughs> yeah. there are other factors at play and, and that's okay. Right. So in fact, I think in some ways it, it makes it maybe less contentious because we all know that sometimes there are things you simply cannot control when you're working at a company that big. Yeah. But I did want to call out though that you you mentioned that you didn't share the details of your current pay because at least in the article, you know, you wanted an offer based on the value you could create for them. I think that's an important point that I want to call out because that's something that you would typically get asked, you know, like what well what do you make today and then the company will try to match that instead of forcing a company to tell you these are, you know, this is what we think you're this position and and you are worth in this position. Yeah, and that's also where I think the the research for that company, that level, and just the benchmarking in general, asking around is helpful. Because sometimes if you're looking for a company that's smaller, uh, maybe with less funding, sharing your details actually puts you in a better position because it anchors them up, right? So it's right. not, I don't know if it's always like a don't share anything type of rule, but I think in general, in the beginning, it's helpful to to hold back initially because you don't really know the lay of the land. But once you do know the lay of the land, you can share things like, if you think it's going to benefit you. And I think it's another point to remember is they're always going to have more data than you. They're negotiating with a lot more people. They have access to databases that I don't even know exist, right? So uh, me withholding some information, like not sharing things immediately is not a sign of like, I'm trying to play anybody. It's the fact that I I know I don't know as much. And so right. I need to protect what I do know so that I don't make a decision that I regret years down the line. Yeah. And I mean, you wrote, you wrote this article, so presumably this is, you also were talking to other people about it, but I think one thing that that I have learned in the past however many years, especially it's, I went to business school since going to business school, is that like it's quite common for, for people to have at least, you know, I'll just stereotype. It's quite common for men I know to, to have a network that they can go to to like shop mm-hmm. around an offer and to get feedback yeah. on it. And that was something that I had never, I just had no idea people did. Like I had no idea that you could literally just take your offer and share it with someone and get their feedback on it. It works. <laughs> yeah. But until I saw someone doing it. So I think I'm assuming that you did that in this process as well. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm fortunate in that I've also lived in San Francisco for many years. And so I knew people who were on the inside. I knew people who had done the process before. So at every single point, I knew a little bit more of what I was doing than I would otherwise. So it was it was easier to be confident in knowing that I'm not crazy and I'm not right. out of line. And this is very much like by the books, so to speak. But I think actually you bring up another good point, which is a lot of people effectively use herd mentality to drive up their valuation. I think it's, you know, pe- startups do it when they're raising money. And similarly, people do it when they're raising, they're getting to their next job and they're raising their own personal valuation on the market. And it really does work. And I and I actually think there were, so there were two mistakes that I made during the Instagram process, none of which keep me up at night anymore because having gone through the process, I knew it wasn't the right fit for me. But I think that if I was really gung-ho about taking the offer and, and getting the best possible deal, I would have done two things differently. The first uh, would have been figuring out like if there were any other circumstances that would put me above the band. So for example, I know that they've made exceptions when someone either has an IPO or a secondary or some sort of extenuating circumstances that make their current situation a lot more attractive. And so uh, it's on the company usually to unshackle you from your handcuffs. And what I didn't realize, even though I didn't have an IPO on the horizon, what I didn't realize was the cost of exercising stock options is very, very high, Yep. depending on your strike price, depending on how many options you got. And I didn't factor that into the into the, the negotiation process. And if I did, that would have put me way over what I was asking for, right? So I think I would have actually gotten what I wanted, maybe more, had I thought about that more clearly. The other thing that <laughs> I think even they asked for in the process, even though they probably, you know, it's not necessarily in their favor, is they asked for competing offers. Like they'll literally ask you for competing offers. And as I mentioned before, I mean, I was not on the job market looking for the next thing. And so I I didn't have one because I didn't want to spend time negotiating or like going through things with companies because it's very time consuming. Uh, but I think that if I was serious about job hunting or like finding that next gig or even closing down the one that I really wanted, uh, as much as it is annoying to have to go through multiple processes, it's good experience. And it's going to give you the other options that you need to basically uh, get to a better place with with the option that you do want. So herd mentality really does work, and I that was the other mistake that that I would advise people to to consider trying if they were very serious about getting an offer. Yeah, that's. I really want to. I'm glad you brought that up because it's something again that I've learned from another male friend of mine who he we had a conversation a couple of years ago and you know he made some comment about how he was interviewing somewhere and I was like oh but you love your job and he's like yeah but I I interview all the time. I'm always mm-hmm. taking interviews. I'm always recruiting because it's how I I understand my value in the market. It's how I practice. It's how I stay up to date on how to have these conversations. And he just approached it like, oh yeah, this is a thing that I do because it makes me, it, you know, keeps me in the game, helps me figure out how to do this kind of thing. And so that I'm not in a place where when I, when it matters, I'm like, to your point, these are pivotal conversations and pivotal moments. And if it's a job you really want, the last thing you want to do is have your interview and negotiation for a job you really want be the first time you've done it in, you know, however many years. Yeah, totally. That's very smart. I mean, yeah, I think having it, seeing it as part of just the normal day-to-day process is a good way of, yeah, a good way of approaching it. Because I always saw it as like, oh, this is a moment that you you do when mm-hmm. you need something. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, I think I think for the best results, actually, it should just be a thing that you do in general. And hopefully it's something that, you know, that gets fun over time because you get so good at it. So I'm definitely not there yet. On the fun <laughs> Neither part. am I. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I don't know. I think it's it's important. I think partially important just to talk just to talk about these things openly. I think you, you kind of make this point in, in the article that you wrote, but I'm a big believer in that you just that there's no reason to hide this stuff, right? Like we all learn from it. We all can learn from each other and how we go through it. And the more you, you know, the more you know, the more you know. And so it's so helpful to have someone write the article. And I, I would actually be curious to hear when you wrote this, did you have any idea what kind of reaction you were going to get? Like, were you prepared for it? Um, or was it like more intense than you thought? Yeah. So I had been writing for probably around five months straight at that mm-hmm. point. And so I had a sense for like, oh, I think this could be a big one, mostly because people I mean, the are title talking. alone is the title. Alone, exactly. Yeah. People <laughs> are to big brands that they recognize and people are big money, about big brands, stakes, big money, big brands, high stakes situations, especially if it's an unconventional outcome. And so I think I had all the elements of like a pretty interesting story. And I mean, I did brace myself of I wasn't quite sure if this was going to be considered um, offensive to anyone, obviously my intention is really just to, to share the experience and, you know, people can take from it what they think is useful or not. But in general, it's like, like you said, it's having more examples out that are, that are known and demystifying. I think some of the, some of the scary parts of this whole process, I think is just really, really crucial. And the feedback has honestly been way more positive than I expected. I think for the majority of cases, like people are just so grateful to have have, have seen this. And I think a lot of people are inspired to try out some of the things that worked for me, some of the things that didn't in their own lives. And I think that was, you know, the real intention behind all of this. And I'm really glad um, that it happened and that we're having this conversation now. Yeah. I mean, have people, did you get people emailing you or tweeting at you about how they, you know, they did this and they got a better offer? Yeah, there's been a few people who've told me privately that they've reconsidered kind of certain things in, in their own lives and probably would not have done so as quickly if it had not been for for this particular article, which is really like very, very much like so touching. I'm, I'm really yeah. glad that people are taking action. You know, it's great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I could I could talk about this all day. I, I just think that especially like, you know, as a woman, I think for me, just being able to have this conversation and being open about it. And I think it's really cool to a to get get the details of course and how you did this but also like you knew your value and you asked for i think for what a number that for some people might be like really surprisingly high and you you were able to go in there and say like no this is market rates for what i can do and i know that and that's great um and there's like no stigma to that which is awesome yeah it's it's really important it took me a really long time to get here and i would say that you know for people who don't feel like they're there yet i mean it, i think it comes down to getting confident, like being one, being really good at the job, like figuring out ways to position position yourself, double down your strengths and be known for something that is valuable to others. And I have, you know, a few articles about this, about developing your talent stack, finding your superpowers. Um, I think that's step number one. And I think once you get there, everything else just gets so much easier. Mm -hmm. And I would never have been able to do this had I not felt good about the stuff that I had accomplished. And I was confident that I wasn't that I was going to definitely be valuable to them. If I, if I didn't, I feel like I would it wouldn't be the right thing to do because within a few weeks, within months, usually things become very clear and and I I didn't want to be stuck holding the bag, but I felt good about that and that's why 
you know, I was able to to go out and, and, do, and do those things. And I think the other piece that I may not have touched in that article, but I did talk about afterwards around, you know, actually leaving the, the private company that I was a part of uh, is really having savings. This is not something that, you know, I feel like it's a topic that everyone should talk about, should teach in school, like financial independence, like how do you run your money? Um, yep. And I think for me, I was fortunate in that I saved a lot more than I made in or that I spent. So I had enough savings to actually be able to say no to opportunities that were very lucrative because I didn't feel like it was the right fit for me. Um, and for people who don't have that safety net, it's actually really tough because at the end of the day, the, the bill's got to be paid, right? And, yep. and the lifestyle that you may want to live. But I would say that in general, like if you <laughs> if you can spend the early parts of your career acquiring valuable skills, getting good at what you do, becoming more confident, saving, <laughs> saving a lot as much as you can, then later in life, you no longer have to make weird trade-offs that are going to lock you into something that is going to make you miserable. Yeah, that's a, I mean, of course, I, th- I think there's a lot of, you know, luck and, and privilege, especially at least on my side, you know, around the opportunities that I've been, had access to. But I think to your point, like understanding also the value of of learning and experience and getting like the trade-off. I think there's an interesting trade-off between optimizing for maybe take-home pay in the beginning versus what am Mm -hmm. I going to learn and where am I going to learn faster? And I think at least what's worked for me is optimizing for where can I go to get better at what I do? Because the faster I get better, the faster I have access to different roles and, you know, bigger pay. Yeah. I mean, that's totally right. And, And I spent a number of years doing jobs that were definitely below market pay, especially for San Francisco, just so that I could get, you know, good at a number of skills that would ultimately make me feel comfortable of having, you know, being able to create value uh, and ultimately not, you know, making choices that would, would hold me back. So sometimes doing the tough things first uh, makes life a lot easier down the line. Yes. Yeah. Agree. Okay. So I could obviously talk about this all day, but we are running out of time. So I'd be curious, Linda, to hear from you. What are the top couple of pieces of advice that you would sort of sum up about negotiation if you were to talk to someone about that? Yeah. I think the first is know where you stand, both with the company and also in your own life of what do you actually need out of this next opportunity? Um, What do you want out of it? And did you hit it out of the ballpark? Right. So step number one is just like, how do you put yourself in a position of of strength and, and being able to negotiate well. The second is do it with integrity. It's a tricky process. And I think, you know, people can play short-term games and maybe get a little bit ahead in certain instances. But at the end of the day, like at the end of every negotiation is the start of a relationship. And the world is smaller than we all think, right? And so mm-hmm. I think getting a bad reputation of, of someone who doesn't, you know, who doesn't actually do what they say or mean what they say is it's just not worth it. And so do with integrity, like actually when you say some, when you make a commitment, like like actually stick to it. But that doesn't mean that you just cave over the first time you see uh, an offer. And then the third is, you know, if you if you really care about compensation and, and being valued in a financial way, like herd mentality definitely works. Like get other competing offers, especially the ones that are very close to the offer that you really want, like in terms of the company type, et cetera. Uh, and that way, like between the three of those things, like if you can do even two of them well, I think you're going to be in a pretty good position. Awesome. Well, Linda, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show and having a super candid conversation about this critical topic. Yeah, of course. This is so fun. <laughs> 